Welcome to Running the Numbers, how data analytics is transforming government finance. Sponsored by EY. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the panel. My guests today are Mark Easton, the Deputy Chief Financial Officer at the Defense Department, Tim Gribben, the Chief Financial Officer and Associate Administrator of Performance Management at the Small Business Administration, Dorothy Aronson, the Chief Information Officer at the National Science Foundation, Mike Whitclough, the Deputy Chief Financial Officer at the National Science Foundation, and Sam Hughes, a consulting leader in the U.S. government practice at EY. Welcome to the discussion. Before we get started, let me set some context. Federal Chief Financial Officers are right in the middle of two big technological trends, the cloud and data analytics. Look no further than the President's management agenda. Of the 14 management priorities, CFOs easily have a major role in half of them. Let's just take a look at one of them, federal IT spending transparency. The managing partners are three CIOs and three CFOs. The goals under the federal IT spending transparency focus on implementing technology, business management, or TBM to improve business outcomes, to increase efficiency of IT investments, and to enable IT benchmarking. All three of these are about collecting data, understanding data, and then putting that data to use to make better decisions. If you look at other PMA priorities, such as grants accountability or eliminating improper payments, all those goal leaders are from the CFO community, and there's a strong technology and data presence in each of those. At the same time, there's a lot of desire and opportunity to make better use of data in the financial management community. A 2017 survey from the Association of Government Accountants found 44% of the CFOs who responded say they're using data and evidence to make decisions. Additionally, only 14% of the CFO respondents say they see their offices providing analytical support to the agency, while 25% said that they see their offices providing mostly compliance, and 21% said their offices providing mostly transactional services. So as you can see, there's the need for this continuous integration of data, technology. It's driving agencies toward better decision making. But at the same time, agencies need to consider how they design, implement, and utilize these tools to better support financial management. And that's why we have our guests on our panel today who are going to tell us how they're doing that. Once again, my guests are Mark Easton, the Deputy CFO at the Defense Department, Tim Gribben, the CFO and Associate Administrator of Performance Management at the Small Business Administration, Dorothy Aronson, the CIO at the National Science Foundation, Mike Wecklow, the Deputy CFO at the National Science Foundation, and Sam Hughes, a consulting leader for the U.S. federal government practice at EY. Mike, let me turn to you to start with. You bring two points of view to this discussion because you were at OMB quite a while as a, in the controller's office, and now you're deputy CFO at National Science Foundation. The role of the CFO is mm -hmm. changing in a big way. T tell me maybe how you're seeing this change. Well, first, let me uh, start off by saying Happy New Year. This is uh, October 1, a big day for accountants and, and government. Was um, there cake or party? Uh, both. I mean, we have some cakes. So we had a breakfast this morning back, back at NSF to, um, to recognize employees. But, um, but Jason, you're right. Um, for years, the CFO community uh, has talked about uh, how to move from backroom to boardroom. Uh, but now, th this is just not talk. I mean, the, the, the time is now, and, and this, this uh, discussion is especially time. And timely as we approach the 30th anniversary of the CFO Act in, in 2020. Um, the traditional CFO role as we know it is shifting from reporting compliance, uh, financial statements to running systems to a new approach uh, where CFOs uh, help the agency derive strategy, value, risk management, um, providing overall financial management le leadership to the organization to, to manage our taxpayer resources effectively. I'll we'll have to keep in mind 2020, so another year or so, is the, is the, 20th, is the 30th anniversary yeah. of the CFO Act. The new approach you talk about, how do you see that kind of developing within your own organization? Is it a people issue? Is it, and we'll get to all of this, but, but give me that 50,000-foot that view. I, I see it as a as a transformational effort, um, but very um, Im important uh, to, to the people. And I think you know we're going to get into a lot of topics like you know maybe robotic processing uh, in innovations. But uh, people is at the heart of that, and, and I think the, the primarily is, is the best motivator. You know, a lot of the things we're going to talk about today is really geared at uh, making. Um, you know, reducing workload, you know, providing more, you know, job opportunities and value and important work for our federal employees. Dorothy, you're seeing the, the changing CFO world from a different perspective of the CIO's world and how you interact. Maybe talk about what you're seeing from Mike's office and how you're helping Mike kind of make that, that transformation. Well, I see that the, uh, the, the CFO office has become a leader, an innovator 
in adopting uh, new technologies as they arrive. They're very, they lean forward. It's always the financial applications really that, that um, are the first to to embrace technology. And so they're doing that once again with the emerging technologies. Um, and also I think that all people are becoming more IT-ish. So as IT infiltrates all the parts of our world, uh, everyone has to upskill uh, in that area. And Mike's group is leaning forward on that. And as your work with the CFO's office continues, and, and you guys have to work closely, we've heard this for years, is every agency has a CXO kind of organization that you guys meet. How, how do you see your support for him also changing? Is, is it becoming more complicated, more complex, or in some ways maybe is it you're just, you're just walking down the same path together? Well, I think there used to be, I hate to say this, more of an us and them uh, situation between the IT people and the financial people. You know, they gave us money, they also gave us requirements, and there was always um, a struggle. Uh, I think that now our, our missions are aligned, our objectives are aligned, and we're partners. Uh, I think that my relationship with Mike and his, um, and the CFO at NSF, Teresa Grant-Corvitz, are uh, critical to NSF's modernization initiatives, not only in the financial area, but across the board and, and other mission areas as well. So Sam, does this warm your heart to hear this? It's their friends, they get along. Uh, that, that wasn't always the case in, in the CFO community. Maybe talk a little bit about what you're seeing with your clients as you're talking to your clients and the CIO, CFO, what's the role changing for the CFO? Absolutely. I mean, I think as, as both Michael and Dorothy were, were uh, talking about, I mean, you really need a close partnership and collaboration between the CFO and CIO teams, um, particularly with the proliferation of data and analytics that are really transforming the role of the CFO organization today. I think historically, uh, you know, accounting has always been the core skill set of a financial organization, and that implies a backward-looking view about what happened to generate the results, and therefore finance has developed a little bit of a reputation as a back-office organization. But today we're seeing more and more the finance is really driving that strategic agenda. Uh, it's more about what is our future performance going to be? Uh, what are the operational uh, uh, levers that we need to pull in order to deliver the results we need for our mission outcomes? And that requires not just financial data, it requires financial and operational data brought together and analyzed in new ways. So it's absolutely key that the CFO and CIO organizations are working together closely to achieve this type of analysis. It's interesting you bring up that the it's both of you brought up this idea of that the CFO organization was was considered the back room and I think Dorothy you and I have been around long enough to say well wait a minute the CIOs have always wanted the seat at the table maybe give me a sense what what's the difference today than than beyond this push towards data analytics but what's the role of the CFOs change how like where where do you see like like, what's different than if we had this conversation five or ten years ago? Well, it's interesting. If, if you listen to a earnings call with a commercial organization, and you listen to the questions that are being posed to the senior leadership, they are all about the future. What, what are your earnings going to be 12 months from now? What are your results going to be next quarter? And how do I have confidence that you're going to pull the right levers in your organization to accomplish those outcomes? And I think we're seeing much more of that mindset appearing within government uh, organizations today where people want to know what is the forward-looking plan and how do we know we can derive the level of mission performance we need to with the financial resources that we have. So the finance organization is playing such a critical role now in allocating the capital resources across those programs to deliver the right mission outcomes. That's a great point, and I think, Mark, you can relate back to it from a DOD perspective. Everything for DOD is about mission outcomes. And, and Absolutely, uh, Jason. I, I think, uh, you know, the themes that have been talked about so far certainly resonate with an organization as, as large as DOD. You know, we recognize, and you go back to the CFO Act uh, back in 1990, I think that although... Uh, it has materialized all you know as more of a compliance exercise and we've just completed our first audit 
first full comprehensive audit from a Department of Defense, and so we're we will we're we're not quite there, but we're on the journey, uh, a journey that uh, that the National Science Foundation, Small Business Administration, have been there for a long time, and and we have uh, Ernst and Young you know, auditing us, as a matter of fact. But we have had, um, uh, you know, our deputy secretary, for example, is, came from the private sector, no, no public sector experience, and he went to a meeting at the Department of Defense and, and was expecting uh, uh, the CFO to have that single source of truth. And so that senior leadership commitment has been very, very important. And so our CFO is evolving. We've always had uh, Secretary Norquist currently as our CFO, uh, always had a seat at the table, but that seat has been oriented towards preparing the budget, uh, program and budget in, in many cases. Uh, and as Sam highlighted, you know, it's almost like you're looking through your rearview mirror from an accounting perspective. Uh, we recognize that the value uh, uh, is really in the in the financial information, and so as we pursue the audit uh, with senior leadership commitment, uh, you know the opinion is certainly what we seek, but the value uh, is really the quality, timeliness, and the ability to relate information to program outcomes and mission outcomes, and so the national defense strategy which was issued earlier this year for the first time i think you see words like performance and accountability uh in there and so you know we're able to link those uh, those things and and being able to use the data i think has become critically important and to break through the stovepipes whether they're organizational or functional stovepipes uh to be able to think more as an enterprise than a individual group do you, do you get a sense that 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 pressure, as you said, from Deputy Secretary Shanahan, who's saying, "Okay, w where's my data?" Do you see that pressure kind of tra changing your office too, like because the expectations are different versus, as you said, rearview mirror now? Okay, how do we change our focus to look forward? Absolutely, absolutely. The National Defense Strategy, you know, ha has as one of its tenets really trying to reform the business, and so being able to have high quality financial information you know to be able to measure our performance as we move forward has been critically uh, important. Uh, the deputy has uh, said you know when we come to a meeting we want to have the CFO say this is the financial information let's talk about the decisions that we need to make rather than whose financial information is correct. Uh, Tim SBA is also going through a, a big changes from an internal standpoint. The loan programs, the contracting programs. Maybe talk a little about your office and, and your work with both the CIO, but more broadly, the, how your office is changing. Yes, yeah, so I want to start say with how the office is changing, and and I think Sam echoed something that Administrator Linda McMahon said to me in one of my briefings is that when I was, she said, when I was the CEO of WWE, my conversations with the CFO were more about what's happening in the markets, what's our revenues look like, what's the return on investments, how's our real estate portfolio. She says, with you, it's everything else. And that's because, and I think you just look at my title and say it's CFO and Associate Administrator for Performance Management, which has all, I'm also the accountable official for the Data Act. I am the Performance Improvement Officer. I have now program evaluation under my organization. And I'm also the newly minted Program Management uh, Improvement Officer. <laughs> so there's a lot within my organization and, and I am leveraging financial and all of the performance uh, uh, information that's that's available. But and I think when it stems back to what we were talking about with the relationship between the CFO and the CIO and at SBA in the past, when I first joined SBA, it was two separate organizations, a lot of distrust between both. We always thought the CIO's budget was a black hole and we didn't know what we were getting for it. They thought we were holding back. They didn't know really the financial picture. Maria Road, who is our CIO, we have a great relationship. It's a partnership that we have embarked on a, a technology platform together to help drive SBA forward into the next, the next three to five years. It's interesting that the, you talk about all the different hats you wear, and in many ways there's, a, there's this push in the pull, right? because you know the financial information, because you have to worry about performance of the money and how programs are using it. In one way, it makes sense to give you that all those hats. But on the other hand, too many jobs, too many plates in the air. How, how do you find the right balance? I mean, great staff. I know that's the first answer, but, but what's the second answer? The, the second answer is as having good reports. 
really, yeah. having the access to the data. Otherwise, if you're spending too much time just trying to gather the data and not enough time to really understand what that means and being able to drive better decision making by providing, by really it's anticipating the needs of the organization going forward and, and I'm a support to all the program offices. Mark, uh, Tim said something, access to data, and that's really where DOD is heading in so many ways. Get me the data, and then you, can, you have great data, but get me the complete data, if you will. Is that, that's really, the, uh, the audit's great, but in the end, it's the data that you care most about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But the, but the audit is really uh, a catalyst, I think, you know, because the auditors will ask and ensure that we've captured all the data. You know, people will refer to terms such as a universe of transactions, and that, that actually is providing an impetus. And, and uh, I think Tim's hit the nail on the head in terms of the access to data. In other words, DOD has, you know, tended to be fairly stovepiped, very, very mission-focused, and so people have had a tendency to feel like they own the data as opposed to data as an enterprise asset. And so, and so we are making progress, but being able to get access to the data readily, we, we've, we are building a universe of transactions, as is each of the military departments, uh, but over time we want that to be a single universe of transactions that, that we can use. But there's an organizational behavior aspect that we're breaking through as we begin to accumulate more and more data, and in partnership with our CIO and our CMO. Sam, what you're hearing from uh, Mark and, and Tim and, and Dorothy and Mike as well is the, the data pieces playing a bigger role. Uh, maybe give me just a brief uh, understanding of, of when you go visit your clients, uh, do they have the data? Where are we at with that? Or, or is the government better? Well, it's the single biggest challenge we continue to see with clients. I mean, people will talk about things like advanced analytics and machine learning and artificial intelligence and all these new leading edge uh, analytical technologies. But when you go to the desk of that business analyst who we've tasked with, you know, produce me a report, produce me an analysis, tell me about the future, the challenges that they face in joining data from different parts of the organization, it might be that they're stovepiped in different technology platforms, they may not have access to that data, or they may not even know that data exists in a big, complex organization. So that, that core issue of getting our analysts what they need to do this analysis is critical. And we think cloud is the way forward for that because uh, it's the only way for the large-scale databases that we're talking about to be able to provide that cross-organizational access to different databases of information, and we think cloud is gonna be absolutely key to making that transformation take place. All right, that's a good place to take a quick break. When we come back, we can jump into both data access and how to get that data uh, accessible. We're gonna take a break. You're listening to the panel discussion, Running the Numbers, How Data Analytics is Transforming Government Finance, sponsored by EY, on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 AM. Technology providers are innovating analytical tools at a rapid pace. They include cloud-based analytics, ERP big data capabilities, and business performance management applications. But the pace of change can make it difficult for organizations to define what analytical capabilities they should invest in. That's where EY comes in. EY's government and public sector team can help your federal finance organization design, implement, and utilize advanced analytics in support of the finance function. Learn more at ey.com slash gov public Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Running the Numbers, How Data Analytics is Transforming Government Finance, sponsored by EY on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today, Mark Easton, the Deputy Chief Financial Officer at the Defense Department, Tim Gribben, the Chief Financial Officer and the Associate Administrative Performance Management at the Small Business Administration, Dorothy Aronson, the Chief Information Officer at the National Science Foundation, Mike Wetklo, the Deputy CFO at the National Science Foundation, and Sam Hughes, a consulting leader for the U.S. federal government practice at EY. Right before break, we started to open the, the, the discussion about data access, and I think that's a, it's a key piece to this broader discussion because without the data, we're all looking backwards, and data helps us look forward. So let me jump on the other end of the table there, and Tim, lead us off. Maybe talk a little bit about what SBA is doing because you guys have not quite as much data as DOD, but you guys are, are data heavy. You are data heavy. and. 
And we're n now that we, I tie, tie everything back to the Data Act. So the Data Act brought the financial and the award information together. And I, I did something different than what other agencies have done, and that is I created the Chief Data Officer in the office of the CFO rather than in the CIO's office, because in most organizations it's in the CIO, which in the beginning caused some discussion between me and Maria Road about well, what is the difference and what does this mean? Well, what it means for SBA is that the in the CFO's office, we are responsible for the reconciliation and the transmission of, of the financial and the award data. And we're also uh, responsible for helping to put together business intelligence tools and business use cases. We've done a lot of work with Treasury on putting together business use cases on how you merge financial and performance information together. But we can't do that alone and nothing is done in a silo. So on Maria's side, they work on providing access to the technology like a standardized CRM system for the agency because we have a lot of siloed systems that we have trouble getting some of the some of the performance data out of it and being able to merge it together. So uh, we rely heavily on her team for helping with the, the data mapping and the technology solution. And then we're working on more of the how to communicate it and what are the business tools that the agency needs to make its decisions. It's interesting because uh, covering the Data Act over the years, I know, Tim, you've, you guys at SBA has really been out in front of it in many ways. And a lot of agencies were kind of, well, let me see where this really goes. And now we're seeing more and more agencies kind of jump on. Mike, maybe jump in here a little bit. The Data Act and, and, and the data access piece, talk a little about how NSF is kind of addressing that challenge. Well, um, in partnership with our, our CIO, I think, you know, just when you think about things like CIO issues like cybersecurity, data, the Data Act, and data governance is kind of, uh, you know, a similar challenge. How we, you know, pull all this information together, but, uh, you know, we work hand in hand with our, our CIO office and their data enterprise uh, warehouse. Um, you know, when we, we have these things like, you know, we're interested in this, or we we want to, you know, how do, how do we figure out to get to the data to connect it? You know, we always, you know, reach out to our CIO office to figure out how to do that. Exactly. Dorothy, pick up. Yes. Um, thanks, Mike. The, the data access is key, but I think a lot of data exists already. Um, reaching it, we provide tools and whatnot. The, the hard thing for us, I think, is um, mashing the various data sources together and creating a sense of accuracy. Mm -hmm. Because um, the data was not uh, generated by a single system. It's generated by multiple dis different systems, and so the financial, in the financial area, uh, you would say, well, the financial area provides the best um, financial data, but the business data, the research information at the National Science Foundation, it resides outside of that system. And so getting accuracy, get being able to tell our story requires both. And being able to for the people within the agency to be able to speak with a single voice and with confidence, they need to have a way of reaching that data and accurately purveying it in, in, in the same way as each other. Uh, and so that's been our real challenge. And the, um, the, the uh, CFO office is a 100% partnership with us on all of these things because they care the most about the results on the financial side. So how, when Mike comes to you and says, hey, we need this data, or hey, we need a tool to get this data, can you talk maybe a little bit about what's, what's the conversation like? Walk me through maybe a, 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 a recent example right, you can think of. The, um, one of the most ex uh, exciting examples right now is that we're reaching, we're working to give data scientists uh, better tools. And part of that data scientist um, ingenuity comes from the CFO office, and some of it comes from the program offices. And recently, in fact, last year, the groups got together and decided that they needed a tool that the central IT shop wasn't already providing. And they advocated for it, and they collected money as a group. So again, the CFO working with the CIO and the program offices together are inventing um, solutions to uh, improve our ability to reach the data. Well, they actually didn't just come to you with their handout, Mike, like our kids do, and, and, and hopefully the CFO's office will open their wallet. They didn't do that. They actually collected money. There was a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Our <laughs> CEO um, has a strong part in the budget, too. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, maybe uh, jump in here about data access, too, because one of the things, obviously, about DOD, as we talked earlier, is the audit is huge, but there's other other 
issues around data access for DOD? Well, we actually, uh, we've built, uh, I mean, and this is a partnership, actually it's a triad, if you will, between the CIO, CFO, and our chief management officer. We recently hired a chief data officer to be able to bring together different functional areas to be able to at least start where we actually, we're actually building on a data repository that we knew we needed for audit and for the data act. Uh, and with that, we're beginning to take, you know, so we have use cases with the audit relative to being able to tie out uh, uh, feeder systems to the general ledger, sort of mundane kinds of things. Uh, and with the data act, obviously, is a compliance-oriented requirement. So, but we've been able to build on that, and now we're identifying other use cases, use cases that are, you know, that are more related to readiness. Uh, and begin to look at, uh, we've, we've established part of our enterprise cost framework uh, as well. And so the key thing, and, and Dorothy hit on a key area about, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to work on using the tools to be able to standardize the data. Because in many cases, the feeder systems, the data systems that you're trying to get the data from, uh, you know, we'll not be using the same language, if you will, uh, and so that will, over time, improve the quality of that information. S Sam, jump in here as well and talk maybe a little bit about the data access piece. You talked about the cloud, and, and I'm going to go there in a second, but before you can put something in the cloud or before you can make, make this data performance ready or, or start influencing how your agency performs or mission, you have to have some kind of standardization, you have to have some kind of taxonomy. Mm -hmm. uh, where are you at, where do you see clients kind of moving in that direction? I think that the Data Act helps in a big way, but they have mission data that's probably unstructured and, and doesn't have a standard way. What can be done, I guess, is the, maybe the better question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Solve the world, <laughs> right? Well, again, coming back to what commercial organizations think about this problem, they're always obsessing on the topic of ROI. What's my return on investment? And if you think about the challenges from the DOD that Mark was speaking of, it's about readiness on investment, right? They, they want to understand we've got scarce capital to deploy. How are we going to increase our readiness the most based upon the investments we can do across our entire portfolio? And to do that, it, you need financial data for the investment, but you need that mission data and readiness data in the numerator of, of that equation. And that's the, the core challenge, is bringing those two data sets together. And as you implied, uh, there's a lot of challenges associated with that in terms of the structuring of the data and the availability of the data. And that's where we're seeing increasingly clients are looking for this hyper-scalable cloud environment where they don't have any limits or bounds upon the data they're going to populate in that data lake and allow them to, to use new analytical tools that allows them to join structured and unstructured data to create new insights. And, and this is really, we believe this is really taking off. We're looking at a lot of clients in this space who are interested in this type of cloud architecture, and specifically hybrid cloud, where you're combining your on-premise resources that you, you don't want to relinquish, but also pushing a lot of your data to the cloud and being able to look at those seamlessly. Tim, jump in. Yeah, so I was going to say, the Data Act gave us some standard definition of some common elements, and the technology business management is giving us that same kind of standardization and taxonomy in the technology world. And, and we embarked on a pilot starting last year, and it's as simple as being able to answer a question on how much are we spending on cybersecurity or how much are we spending on end user support. The TBM is giving us the tools to be able to answer those questions, which I think is what helps us bring data access together more. Dorothy, um, Sam brought up cloud several times. Since you're the, the technologist on the panel for today, maybe give me a sense of the cloud. I mean, how, how are you viewing the cloud to make Mike's job easier? What's NSF doing? Well, definitely, uh, we've been moving our uh, infrastructure to the cloud for some time, and it definitely scales much easier. It shrinks and grows with your needs. Um, the, the only problems that we're really encountering are that the older infrastructure and technology that we have doesn't fit the cloud very well, so first we have to modernize in order to get to that point where we can boost it up. Um, and so we're our data lake is definitely um, going to be resident in the cloud and we've got it started. Uh, we're very excited about that. And it's also liberating so that, again, the, the notion that the IT shop owns any um, owns the IT is the only people that can do the IT is, a, is an old way of thinking. Mm -hmm. 
And so the cloud enables all of the customers to put their data together and to make sense of it uh, in the cloud. Mike, were you comfortable when Dorothy was like, to the cloud we go? Were you like, well, but not my data? Or were you like, yes, take it to the cloud? A absolutely. And um, I mean, this was a little bit before my time at NSF. It, our, our financial system, uh, iTrack, is, is on the cloud. But all the, uh, Dorothy, I think you just said liberating. I mean, we are we are feeling that <laughs> in, our, in our transformation. I mean, you know, instead of like owning the system and running it, or, you know, we're just understanding um, like this year we implemented a, a new service provider report so like our compliance workload uh, is lower. Um, we, we have more time and bandwidth uh, to look at the information in our financial system. To um, This year we started providing uh, DFM uh, financial indicators reports to give you know, our program offices information ab about um, their funding and, and how to best use the resources as opposed to you know spending all that time you know, uh, you know running the system and all this compliance work and just so i can dumb it down for us non-financial yeah, folks sorry. dfm indicators D uh, division of financial management <laughs> indicators report so, so basically the panel's like yeah of course <laughs> D dfm's uh, most uh, most uh, cfo shops have a dfm division of financial management and and we're now you know we've got you know traditional offices spend a lot of time running the systems building it we're spending we're trying to move to more time taking information out of the system and giving it uh, to folks so they kind of get you know indicators that um, Tim had talked about earlier to give you know forward-looking information. Um, Mark, you had a good laugh and a good smile, so jump in. Well, I think uh, well, we have. I'm sure we have that acronym somewhere in DoD. <laughs> the uh, I think that the uh, the data. You know, we we've spent much of our time. I think Mike was alluding to much of our time on a transactional kind of a process, and we recognize that the the value is in the data. We want to have people, you know, doing things uh, to be able to focus on the mission and not chasing trends. Transactions, and so that's been a very, very uh, uh, important transition. And Sam, this is going to take us down the other path of of the administration has a big focus area of, of reskilling the federal workforce, low value to high value. And one of the ways to get out of that low value is is the technology side. You mentioned the cloud, but it, what's EY seen from their clients around AI, artificial intelligence, robotics, process automation? I know several CFO shops are starting to use RPA. What are you, what are you starting to hear? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting. Here we have a, a, a panel that's largely dedicated to the finance function, and we're using all of these terms about analytics and cloud and RPA and, and everything else. It's really speaking to the, the reskilling of the federal finance workforce that's going to take place over the next three to five years. And, you know, accounting is always going to be a core skill within the profession, but I think you're going to see a very, very different looking finance team five years from now. You're going to see more strategic planners, more data scientists, uh, more analytical resources. We're going to be seeing more and more of the routine tasks getting pushed to robotic process automation scripts that's going to allow the workforce to evolve. And I, and I think it's a very exciting time for the finance organization right now and for the leadership to really be on the forefront of retooling the workforce uh, to kind of embrace this new digital agenda. And Tim, do you guys at SBA, where are you at and kind of looking at that broader vision of your workforce today will not be the same workforce in five years as Sam was saying? Yeah, our workforce has already been changing, and when you talk about accountants, you're right, there's there's not the need for the, the we're, there was always be a need for an accountant, but not the traditional way we used accountants, which was to do more of the transaction-based. Now we're looking more at forensic accounting and system accounting, and we're looking at more from the higher level of how, how can we make sure that we're using technology, but that we're also staying in compliance with all the rules and regulations that we have to stay in compliance with. So what we're looking for are people who can who can think beyond out of the box, but also understand what that box is and when when we have the limitations to stay within. I think that's a great point. Yeah, we got to know what box you're in, but also, uh, Mark. Absolutely. I, I guess the uh, key point is, you know, w part of the national defense strategy is reform. Clearly, we're thinking in terms of reform to be able to use things like robotics to be able to eliminate labor, to be able to realign resources from from one area, for example, backroom functions to mission kinds of areas. But, but the other part of reform that I think that we need to keep in mind is many of the things that we're talking about doing, I think, uh, is very, very exciting to 
some of the younger people in our workforce. For, for us to be able to compete for those skills, because Sam, I know, is trying to hire maybe the same people that we are, I think that we, that's an impetus to be able to change. Because this is a lot more fun than some of the more traditional transactionally oriented processes I, that we've had. I don't know. I do love me some internal controls. So, you know. <laughs> Let's take a quick break on that note since I've embarrassed myself. You're listening to the panel discussion, Running the Numbers, How Data Analytics is Transforming Government Finance, sponsored by EY on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Technology providers are innovating analytical tools at a rapid pace. They include cloud-based analytics, ERP big data capabilities, and business performance management applications. But the pace of change can make it difficult for organizations to define what analytical capabilities they should invest in. That's where EY comes in. EY's government and public sector team can help your federal finance organization design, implement, and utilize advanced analytics in support of the finance function. Learn more at ey.com slash gov public sector. Welcome back to the panel discussion, Running the Numbers, How Data Analytics is Transforming Government Finance, sponsored by EY on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today, Mark Easton, the Deputy Chief Financial Officer at the Defense Department, Tim Gribben, the Chief Financial Officer and Associate Administrator of Performance Management at the Small Business Administration, Dorothy Aronson, the Chief Information Officer at the National Science Foundation, Mike Wecklow, the Deputy CFO at the National Science Foundation, and Sam Hughes, a consulting leader for the U.S. federal government practice at EY. We started to get into the discussion about the workforce during the last segment. Dorothy, let me bring you into this because a lot of what Tim and, and Mark, and, and they were talking about workforce, goes back to the technology side of it as well because you got to have the data scientists, you got to have the people with the skill set. So maybe give a sense of the NSF workforce and changes you're seeing. Well, I, th I like to talk about the entire federal workforce, if you don't mind, because I think that the advanced technologies like artificial intelligence and robotics, um, in some, sometimes they scare people uh, because, uh, and we are talking about how it's going to transform the CFO shop and how much more strategic thinking that those people are going to do be doing, but it also has a way of making people feel like their world is changing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that uh, the the, these technologies are going to create new and more jobs, and that um, the, the jobs that we haven't even imagined yet are going to come into the forefront, uh, and everyone's work is going to change. And I think that we've, we've seen that first, of course, in the CFO shop because, again, they're the leaders in adopting these technologies. But it's very exciting to um, be involved at this moment in history as all of this change is happening. You make a really interesting point that it's going to create new jobs. Uh, Mike, where do you see those new jobs? Like when you, when we're going to talk about the workforce of the future, but maybe mm -hmm. to give me a sense of, of, it's not just, hey, we're going to stop doing this transactional data, but we're going to do what more of? Well, I think uh, with, with the workforce and how important it is, um, let, me, let me give you just like a, a live example of something that just happened last week. I mean, we're, we're working to um, implement robotic processing automation. So, you know, we, we have like a workload issue and, and you know, there's, there's nothing low value about the work. It's just, you know, how do you keep up with it with the budget and, you know, hi hiring pressures we have. So we had, I, I was just so proud last week, we had one of our um, staff accountants uh, who took a course uh, over the summer on how to program uh, robotic uh, processing automation. So you get the software and then you learn how to implement it and then you know you see it in action so in instead of doing all the you know work that goes along with entering transactions that the technology does it for you so they have more time now to do analytic or you know more uh, advanced work. And the time they took to, to program that software, yes, on the front end may have been uh, a little longer than maybe you hope, but the next time they have to do it, the next set of transactions will get a little better. Right. And you're developing this skill set that in six months or eight months from now, they're, they're, they will be that person who Dorothy's probably going to steal from you. Right, and I, I, I just want to say one thing. I, I, won't, I won't steal them. One thing that's really important about this is that the people who know the process are also implementing the solution. And mm -hmm. think about how much time that saves and the dropping off of information between IT people and, and financial people. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. When everyone has is IT-ish, they're going to have the ability, but they have to be engaged. Right. They have to want that change to occur. They're not going to invest their time in learning how to do it. Sam, are you starting to see that with whether it's at EY when you are hiring people, they have that technical background that they can do some software programming, or how, how are you guys also preparing, I guess, for that same workforce changes? 
Absolutely. I mean, I look back to when I joined EY as a young staff consultant many years ago. Um, there was never that expectation that I would come in with any hardcore technology skills. And what we're seeing coming off of campuses today, both at the undergraduate and the graduate level, is that there's really not this distinction anymore of business-oriented people and technology-oriented people. Um, everyone's coming in with the skills to manipulate large data sets. Everyone's coming in with skills and wanting to, to practice and learn these new technologies. I think Michael was talking about that, about, uh, you know, I, we see our consultants in their spare time, they want to learn more about these new technologies and become certified and bring them into practice because they see that as uh, not only their intellectual interests, but also, you know, broadening their career and giving them more capabilities. And Mark, from a DOD perspective, you know, when, when you came in to the government, computers were probably not on everyone's desks yet, and you, everyone had maybe a, a one, one phone for the office or something, but, but you're also seeing that change of the workforce from the, the soldiers and civilians who are coming in. Absolutely. I have to be careful. Some of the young people today, when I start to talk about punch cards and, uh, and those kinds of things, it takes them back a little bit. But the technology has been a game changer for the department. It has positioned us to be able to do things in the Department of Defense that we could have never done before. Uh, very, very important. That we, you know, we've, we're beginning to experiment in the robotics area to be able to make uh, our audit more cost effective. In other words, at least one of our organizations has, has programmed a robotic uh, uh, application to be able to go and retrieve samples from the auditors. Uh, like Sam's firm is looking and to be able to make the audit less, you know, more cost effective. The, the one point that I wanted to make too is that we're trying to, uh, when we talk about things like the audit conjures up terms, terms like sort of a compliance oriented exercise, we're trying to make sure as we build our, our repository, enterprise data repository, we make sure that we understand where that data is coming from and reminding people, for example, inventory. You know, where we're trying to emphasize stewardship and accountability, uh, you know, that the auditors will be looking at that data uh, every year. And so the audit, that compliance exercise sort of has an additional value proposition that I think people can identify with. So I think that's in a very important relationship as well. Tim, I'm going to bring you in the conversation as well because the other hat, one of the other eight hats you wear is performance management, and we're, we're talking about is the workforce ready? Is, is the data in siloed? Do we have access to it? Is it in the cloud? But really, in the end, it comes down to what do we do with the data once we do all these other things? Maybe from a performance perspective, with the CFOs, you know, kind of hat on the other side of your head, where does this? Where does the the, the ability to have the right data at the right time to make the right decision? How is that starting to morph too? Yeah, so and I alluded to that earlier when we talked about the work that SBA has done with Treasury on developing business use cases. And, and that's what that's all about. So you have, the, you have the data, what do you do with it? Well, what do you do with it? There's from, from, from a financial perspective, you want to know what's it costing you to deliver your goods and services. So that's part of it, is being able to have a better cost allocation methodology with a, a, a business rules that makes sense and, and the data that you can rely on, the data quality, is uh, something that's important. And that then from the performance standpoint, being able to tie in, now that you have a, a, a way of allocating FTE costs, people costs to programs, and then you have program outcomes that you're measuring, and as we look at what, what measures and metrics that we're gathering, being able to marry that information together, then from the other hat I have is under program evaluation. So as you have that kind of standardized data that's available to measure the effectiveness of programs from different dimensions, performance, financial, and then you can start making decisions about how should I modify the delivery of my program? What policies might I need to change in order to better deliver to whatever program you have, whoever your constituents are? And, and that's how it all comes together for me under performance and financial management. Sam, you brought the term ROI, and I'm going to steal this, so I'm just going to warn you now. Instead of return on investment, results on investment, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's a great term for government. Is that something that once we get all this data together, then we can start talking what are the results? What are we getting for each dollar spent? Absolutely, and this is one of the biggest trends which we're seeing on the business side of, of government agencies today, is this appetite to really understand, if I spend incremental dollars in this area, what will I get for it? How do I know that is the highest and best use of that funding? Particularly within the DOD space, where 
Uh, they are uh, looking at trying to increase readiness across a very wide range of programs and knowing, you know, should I be directing this towards uh, this level of readiness on this program or that program to achieve the outcomes which I'm looking for. It's a really challenging problem and requires access to, to a huge amount of data to be able to do that on both the financial and the operational side uh, of the agencies. But that is absolutely what we're seeing with senior leaders in those organizations today. Uh, Tim, jump in. I just want to jump in. Uh, one thing I, I forgot to mention is the access to information from other agencies has also been key. So an example of that, so we've been, when we've been uh, working on some calculations of ROI, and that's by being able to bring in census data so that we know uh, the, the loans are, are our counseling education programs. Once we have that population statistics, we can start calculating things that I was never able to calculate before. Mark, that's the same thing with DOD, that's this return, this what are you getting for each dollar. I mean, that's even more critical for DOD because of how much dollars you have, but with the mission you do. How are you guys starting to look at this return? We're trying to, uh, as I mentioned, in the National Defense Strategy, we focus on performance and accountability. We are trying to use this central, this enterprise data repository to be able to make those kinds of linkages. Uh, uh, you know, and so we're looking at, at uh, use cases uh, to be able to to link uh, the readiness for particular weapon systems, as an example, and the investments that go into making those. And, and, and as Sam pointed out, because many of those things have been have been very local, locally determined, oftentimes subjective. Uh, you know, we're trying to use data to be able to answer those kind of questions. But in the past, DOD had tried to implement data standards for standards sake. Uh, right now, we've identified the require, you know, what kind of questions do we need to answer? Uh, and then, as I mentioned before, the CFO is becoming more and more a holder of the a single source of the truth to be able to talk to the functional people that are in charge of readiness, but say, we're going to try to use this data. Sam, where, do, where does an agency start if they're trying to figure out, okay, what, how do we measure those results on investment? Is there a good, start small, I get it, don't eat the ocean in one apple bite or something, or don't swallow the elephant in the ocean, I always forget what those uh, terms are. But maybe talk a little bit, where do you start with, with trying to understand the results? Right. Well, um, you know, they say you know, if you want, uh, if you want a, a better answer, you've got to ask better questions. And, and I think that is a big part of the role of the CFO going forward. Uh, as we see this huge proliferation of data that's available to individuals today across all these different systems, uh, you, can, you can get lost in this sea of data just asking infinite questions in an infinite sea. And I think the finance organization is really at that point to be able to say, let's define the outcomes we want to see. Let's get confidence that we understand the drivers of those outcomes uh, in a data-informed way. And then as we're looking across our portfolio, that we can pull the right levers uh, backed by financial resources that get to the outcomes that we want. And, and I think finance is absolutely at the core of that, and it starts with, frankly, defining specifically what are those outcomes and how do I have confidence about the drivers of those outcomes. Tim. And how SBA uh, gets that is we published an enterprise learning agenda. That we, our first one we published last February, and that asks all those key questions that we want answers for. That helps us inform what data that we need and helps us inform what evaluations we're going to perform. This has been a, just a fascinating conversation in so many ways. We're just about out of time. But one of the things, and, and Sam, you opened the door for us, so let's, let's walk in the sea of data, define the outcomes, you know, ask the good questions. So as the CFO role continues to change, as the agencies continue to look at it as more performance and results oriented, where, where do you see this discussion continuing to go around the CFO and the role it plays? Let me start with Mike on this one. I, I, one thing I just wanted to add, um, performance is really important, but I, I, I think uh, you know risk management, enterprise risk management is as well, because um, you want to you know use the data to help <clears throat> you know show that you know risks and opportunities that you might not have known before. So it's really kind of shifting away from you know all the compliance internal control work, the 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 systems and the tools can help you do it, but now we've got the opportunity to help. You know, help performance make better decisions. I was really worried. We almost, almost this whole conversation with no discussion on enterprise risk management. A one twenty three, right? Mm -hmm. what, what's what's the section? 
uh, appendix sec? There well, there's several sections. <laughs> Dorothy, talk about the future as your relationship from a CIO's perspective. So I've been delighted with um, our evolving um, team uh, recently and mm -hmm. I th over the past few years and I think that that's only going to continue that um, NSF is is going to continue to have more cross-functional teams and um, a diversity of skills on those teams uh, I think the teams will f uh, be fluid and the skills will continue to evolve rapidly and I think we've been pretty good at doing that uh, actually I think we've been excellent at doing mm -hmm. that up till now and uh, we're just gonna keep going all right excellent uh, Sam Talk a little bit about where you're seeing this all, the CFO role and, and the, the interaction with CIOs going. Well, I just think you're gonna see a very, very different type of finance organization here in, in the near future. I think you're gonna see finance having a bigger role at the table for strategic decision making and uh, strategic risk management and mission outcomes. Uh, I think you're gonna see a different type of finance professional and greater diversity of skills across the finance uh, profession overall. And I think you're gonna see the finance organization really involved in the cause and effect relationships within the organization in terms of allocating funding and driving specific outcomes. So uh, I just think it's a really exciting time to be a finance professional right now with all these changes. 30 years of CFO Act has always been exciting. Mark? <laughs> Absolutely. The, the, between the audit and the senior leadership commitment to the national defense strategy, making sure that we get the best out of every taxpayer dollars, I think, is putting us in a position to be a very, very exciting time. We, we envision this as a CFO of the future where we're the holder of that single source of truth to get a better return on investment for the taxpayer. All right, Tim, give me about 10 seconds. <laughs> I also see us as, as educating the agency on these topics as well as being able to do better fraud detection. The nice bookend. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, you've been listening to the panel discussion, Running the Numbers, How Data Analytics is Transforming Government Finance, sponsored by EY, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Let me thank my guests, Mark Easton, the Deputy CFO at the Defense Department, Tim Gribben, the CFO and Associate Administrative Performance Management at the Small Business Administration, Dorothy Aronson, the CIO at the National Science Foundation, Mike Wetklow, the Deputy CFO at the National Science Foundation, and Sam Hughes, a consulting leader for the U.S. federal government practice at EY. Thank you so much for your time today. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search EY Data Analytics. Thank you for listening to Running the Numbers, How Data Analytics is Transforming Government Finance, a panel discussion sponsored by EY on the Federal News Network, 1500 AM and federalnewsnetwork.com. The entire discussion is available on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com. Search EY Data Analytics.